0: This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals.
1: It's the week of July 11, 2016 and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to Episode 328 of Defender Radio. Across BC's vast landscape is over 14 million hectares of protected land and provincial parks. Tourists from all around the world flock to these beautiful, picturesque destinations, bringing hundreds of millions of dollars to the economy. And there are only seven people to protect it all. The Wilderness Committee, a BC-based NGO, recently sent out a press release that outlined the dire straits of the BC Parks Ranger Program, noting that there are fewer park rangers than there are critically endangered spotted owls left in the province. To discuss what this means, what the consequences truly are, and how the public can help rescue the rangers. Defender Radio was joined by Gwen Barley of the Wilderness Committee. Let's talk about parks in BC to start with. Uh, for those who are, who are not from BC or simply not familiar, uh, what is the sort of the outline of what these protected areas we're going to be talking about are like in BC?
0: Well, they're, they're large. Um, they're 14 uh, million hectares in size which is about 14% of the size of British Columbia and to give you an idea of how large that is it's equivalent to an area the size of Greece
1: that that's a pretty good size
0: yeah that, that that's it's pretty substantial
1: and are these all uh you know provincial parks or they how how are they defined
0: well it, it's provincial parks and protected areas and 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 so would you'd have a breakdown between uh, class A parks, Class B parks, even a few class C parks ecological reserves, but areas that are being set aside and to be protected from development
1: okay and and this is all managed by environment or forest lands natural resources it's
0: in, it's, it's managed by the Ministry of environment in british columbia
1: okay so uh, the news that that's um Uh, uh, Wilderness Committee has brought forward is that the number of full-time park rangers has sunk to just seven individuals to protect uh, 14 million hectares of protected areas. Uh, How how do you sort of learn about this? I mean like to me this is just such a sort of random piece of information.
0: Well I had been concerned for quite a while. Uh, Protecting British Columbia's parks is one of my Campaigns, and of course, we need to dramatically increase the operational budget from where it is right now. It's around 31 million dollars, which works out to a little bit over two dollars a hectare, which is virtually the lowest in North America when you look at state and provincial protected area systems. And then we've had a dramatic um, decline in the number of staff, not just park rangers, but staff whether they're park planners. Um, you know biologists and in 1993 to give you an example our park system provincial park system was about 6.5 million hectares and we had roughly what was it probably around 360 full-time employees and then you fast forward to 2016 and we have you know our protected area system is now up to 14 million hectares and and we have half the staff around um, 180, maybe it's 190 full time equivalent employees. And so, what I've been doing for the last several years, actually probably for a decade, I've been tracking the number of full time park rangers. And we do hire some summer park rangers, although those numbers have gone down quite dramatically also. And in 2001, we had 27 full time park rangers, and that means rangers that are on the land base year round. And then, of course, um, in 2016, we had seven. And so what I did is I contacted the BC Government Employees Union who represent park rangers in British Columbia. And I contacted them a couple of weeks ago and I said to them, hey, um, can you tell me how many uh, full-time park rangers are in BC? And they said seven. And I was, uh, to put it mildly, I, I, I was incredibly surprised. We had been hovering about five years ago around 12 full-time park uh, rangers. And I thought, I really did think this. I thought I can't imagine that we would get any lower than twelve. I mean twelve is already a joke. And 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 now we're down to seven and that means one full time park ranger for something that's the you know, a protected area system that would be equivalent to two million hectares.
1: Yeah, and it it, it sort of boggles the mind when you actually look at those numbers. Um and what would the the duties of one of these rangers be? What, what all would they be expected to be doing?
0: Well, they'd be enforcing the Parks Act. They would be ensuring that people that are in the backcountry particularly are safe. And in the past, we've had park rangers that have rescued people and saved their lives from capsized uh, canoes. That they're making sure that, for instance, that you don't have... Um, uh, poaching within our parks that our bar- park boundaries are secure, that they work with park facility operators, which are private operators that operate in some of the front country parks um, in British Columbia. They you know, they have, sort of have a wide range of um, activities. And, and to give you an example, and this is uh, something that surprises people in 2012 in Carmana Walbrand Provincial Park, it's on Vancouver Island. That poachers went in and what they poached was an 800-year-old cedar, and this cedar was near a parking lot in Carmana, or Carmana uh, Walbrun Provincial Park, and the poachers knew they they would have no problem. And what makes it doubly ironic is the big uh, old red cedar was right near a closed ranger station, and so the poachers came in and they cut 80% of the way th- uh, through. The red, this old magnificent and old red cedar. And then, of course, that makes it a very dangerous situation. And so parks had to come down and topple the uh, rest of the tree. And then the poachers came back in and removed it just at leisure. They came back several times, and we think they took it for shakes. But that's just sort of a perfect example of what happens in in British Columbia when you don't have enough park rangers on the ground.
1: And that's, uh, you know, when you consider a lot of the the issues surrounding – Uh, bare bile gallbladders things like that that have value as well in the black markets uh you know if they can go in and take a massive tree with no one noticing uh you know what else Yeah, and
0: then come back repeatedly what else could they be doing to to, it's it's very frightening well and and, and that's it and we just don't know i mean i was up in the okanagan uh in the interior the southern interior a couple weeks ago and i was in a protected area system and i was at the top of a mountain in this protected area system and, and the picnic benches were literally uh, falling apart and you had ATV tracks everywhere because, of course, ATV drivers who aren't supposed to be in these protected areas had no qualms about um, coming in and driving their ATVs into, in really, really sensitive habitat. And again, the, because we don't have uh, park rangers on the ground and, and the government does hire some summertime park rangers. But what's happened with the summertime uh, park rangers is their numbers have been cut, and the length of time. So five or six years ago, you might have summertime park rangers, maybe 90, um, would be working up to f- five months. And recently, this year, we heard that a lot of those uh, positions had been cut back to as low as uh, as little as eight weeks. And rangers can't, you know, live on, you know, summer rangers. Can't live on eight weeks of work, and so I wouldn't be surprised if some of those summer ranger positions uh, remained unfilled. And even if you did, it in a best case scenario, you had 90 uh, summer uh, rangers, auxiliary rangers, plus the seven full-time park rangers year-round. You know, you'd still be dealing with one ranger for every 10 parks. And you have, we have really large um, parks in some cases, like Garibaldi, hundreds of thousands of hectares, and and you'd probably need in a, in a Best case scenario, you'd need a couple rangers per park when you're talking about a park of that size.
1: Now, when, when we look at the numbers again, yeah. uh, before we maybe get into some of the more uh, gray or not even gray yeah. area, just the less exacting conversations on this, um, I my understanding is that ecotourism is up in Canada pretty much people are coming here they're exploring our wilderness they're seeing our animals and they're willing to pay to do so and in your notes you have um that bc has over 1000 parks and protected mm-hmm. areas providing 392 million dollar boost to the province's gdp and supports over 5200 full-time jobs um
0: yeah i know they know and every dollar well just the bc I'm sorry and every yeah, dollar the go ahead sorry go ahead
1: every dollar the bc government invests in the protected area system generates eight dollars and 42 cents in visitor expenditure so it's it is a profit center
0: absolutely and that's what makes it so really uh disturbing is that the bc government knows that our uh protected area system in this province makes money hand over fist and for whatever reason and everybody's trying to figure this out and, and and sort of scratching their heads that they don't want to invest in our protected area system. And not only is it protecting some of the best of BC, it's you know providing an opportunity for people, and especially kids, to reconnect um, with nature and, and for people to have reasonably priced vacations. Like British Columbia, especially the Lower Mainland, is in a very, very, very expensive place to live and and so parks are one of the few remaining areas where you can get out and enjoy the landscape and and camp and not be um bankrupting yourself uh in the process and it's just yeah it it concerns me not only the fact that you know the operational budget is easily half of what it should be not only the fact that we are down to seven full-time park rangers in British Columbia but what disturbs me the most is that we have a government that has a mindset that doesn't recognize the value of our protected area system.
1: Well, and that's uh, uh, sort of before we even get into that. And I do want to get into that with you. One of the things that really jumped out at me, looking at these numbers, uh, and this is with a bit of a background in crime reporting, is officer safety. So you've got yeah you you've got less than a dozen individuals exploring and protecting 14 million hectares. And if they're looking at things that are potential criminal activity, again, we're talking about poaching, we're talking about um, all kinds of things like that, ATV use, hunting. um, Doesn't that put them in a very precarious situation?
0: And I I think it does put them in a precarious situation. And that's also if they're lucky enough to actually get out into the landscape, into our provincial parks, because we're also hearing huge problems that they don't have admin support. They don't have, um, you know, in in many cases, and this was from a Freedom of Information request I did several years ago, that they don't have gas for their vehicles, that they had leased vehicles that were um, taken back and, and, and no longer leased by the provincial government. And so you had park rangers that were talking about going out and trying to patrol parks and, and catching a Greyhound bus or going out and trying to patrol a park on a dirt bike. And and in other cases, they were down on, on bended knee, pleading for money for avalanche signs, pleading for money for lug nuts to fix the bridge within a park that emergency vehicles used, trying to get money for rotting floorboards in outhouses, and even trying to get money for toilet paper within outhouses. And so it's a pretty uh, egregious situation in, in B.C. right now.
1: And what has led to that? I mean, I can't believe that any government's uh particularly one in British Columbia that obviously gets so much out of these protected areas both from the the economics of it through to i mean general health would be beneficial having that many trees so uh, uh what has led to this sort of disconnect between the political center in Victoria and the the people on the ground and the NGOs like uh Wilderness Committee
0: I don't know like I I think it's a mindset of our, our provincial government. And, and, and in that mindset, I don't think there is a belief in the value, the inherent intrinsic value of our provincial park, su- park system in, in this province. And my concern is is they might even want to get out of the business of managing parks altogether. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I just have to, um, w- when you look at what's happening uh, on the ground, when you look at um, the lack of support for our, our park system, and even in places in parks where you have lakes within parks and you had rangers in the past that would be, of course, patrolling those lakes, making sure people were safe. And now they can't patrol the um, – go out on the lakes and patrol because you need two rangers per vehicle or per boat, and they didn't have enough rangers to be able to man the boats. And so, yeah, it's just I, – I just don't know. And and when you look in, in at 2010 – which was when BC hosted the Winter Olympics, that so much of our branding was, you know, BC, you know, is an incredible, and it is an incredible province to visit. And we have something that's really special here. We have amazing wilderness, and we have amazing wildlife. And I'd say probably half of the shots that the um, BC government used when they are advertising to the world over the 2010 Winter Olympics were of our parks and protected areas. Well,
1: and it certainly is iconic. I mean, I've spent some time in British Columbia, and... I can't think of anywhere else in the country where you can drive half an hour and pretty much for, be from a major international city into a rainforest. Like, it's yeah. it's it's incredible.
0: We're pretty lucky. Um,
1: yeah. Well, I can drive half an hour and uh, uh, be in Toronto. So,
0: yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's
1: a little different. Another kind of forest, but a little different. Um, yeah. Now, let's, let's play a bit of devil's advocate here. What happens if... The government says, you know what, these parks can manage themselves, ecosystems manage themselves all the time, uh, which would be also in its own way a little bit of an irony. Um, but what would happen? What's the, what, what would we have to fear?
0: I think what you'd have to fear is what we're actually seeing unfolding right now in British Columbia, which means that poachers, whether they're going after trees or if they're going after wildlife, can pretty much um, act with impunity within our provincial park system that there's not an assurance, not that there was ever a full assurance, but that there's not even um, knowing. Like, I can't remember the last time I've been in a provincial park and I've actually seen a park ranger. It has been years and years and years and years. And to give you an example, one of the most endangered species in all of Canada is the northern spotted owl. and We're down to just about 12 owls that are found in the wild in British Columbia. And it's really (laughs) worth noting that we have nearly half um, the number of rangers than we do spotted owls. And it, it, it's just, you know, parks, and, and, and it's not just the Wilderness Committee and other environmental groups that are that are flagging this issue. We're also, you know, you had the Auditor General that came out with the uh, report several years ago and said the BC government it needed to be doing a much better job of managing the ecological integrity of our protected area system you had a park legacy panel, and this was probably a decade ago, that said the B.C. government, and this was a government-appointed panel, needed to be doing a far better job, and they recommended that the, the operational budget for B.C. parks be doubled, and that would just take us a tiny step in the right direction. And then also I did a comparison... But this was about six or seven years ago. And, of course, it's only gotten worse since then of, of comparing BC Park's uh, staffing and, and funding and looking at other protected areas, uh, neighboring protected areas in British Columbia. And so whether it was looking at um, Alberta, which has uh, nearly, I think they're around uh, $20 per hectare compared to just a little bit over uh, $2 a hectare in British Columbia or, or Washington State or Oregon, who fund their uh, state uh, park system. Far, far, far better, and in virtually every single category, um, with the exception of the the amount of protected area, BC was dead last.
1: Well, and I guess there, I mean there's a reasonable expectation that we can't have someone covering every area. I mean, whether it's a cop on every street corner or nope. a ranger in every park, that's unreasonable. Yeah. But yeah, what would yeah. be reasonable? What what would we want to see? Well,
0: I, I think a tiny, tiny step in the right direction would be doubling the uh, operational budget uh, for BC parks. From 31 million to 62 million, just a tiny step in the right direction we'd still be way, way, way behind other jurisdictions. And then a, a step in the right direction would also be getting our number of full-time rangers from seven up to 50. And still that's not adequate. You'd still at 50 full-time rangers and when you're dealing with a uh, thousand parks and protected areas, you'd, the rangers would be dealing with up to 20 parks and protected areas and some of them cut, cut of those parks. Covering hundreds of thousands of hectares. But that's just, and then also that the government fully recommend the recommendations from the Auditor General and implement the recommendations from the Park Legacy Panel. So we, it's not rocket science what the DC government needs to do. What we need is the political will within the bc government to implement uh the changes that need to be made in our park system
1: well and i think that's certainly something we're going to be seeing next year with the looming election uh and that's you know we've been looking a lot at the conservation officer service and it's similar problems it really is it's a lack of funding and then when there is funding it's it's so bogged down that they're unable to do the jobs they need to be doing. Um, and one of the things I've been thinking about, and I've just been toying with in my mind, as we've been seeing, and I'm sure you've been seeing this influx in, in photos with animals and selfies and feeding and all of these other ridiculous things in some of the tourist areas, is looking at remote technology or drones or something like that to try and help. Uh, because when you've got one person who has a large swatch of land, um, you know, and we can now buy for $1,000 dollars, a helicopter with a little camera on it uh, to fly it high enough to not bother the animals. Yeah,
0: yeah, and 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 that would be that would be definitely helpful, but it'll never take the place of having a ranger on the ground. Oh, of course. And so you do, and so you do need to utilize the technology um, that is out there in a pretty amazing way. I'm astounded at what drones can do, and the and the cost that they are now. Reduced to, so you can, and, and the footage that you can get, but you still need uh, rangers on the ground that can enforce the Parks Act, that can uh, patrol areas, that can ensure that ATVs are not operating in ways that, in, in many cases, are illegal within our provincial park system, that you don't have poachers coming in and cutting eight, down 800-year-old cedars. And so, I think in a best-case scenario, you'd have a properly funded and staffed uh, provincial park system in D.C. and using, where appropriate, uh, the technology that's available right now. Well, yeah,
1: and that, I mean, that's the whole thing. Even if we were to invest heavily in trail cams at some hot spots, you still need someone to watch that footage and then investigate it and enforce the uh, transgressions that may have transpired. So, I mean, you, you, you need the people first. I'm just sort of looking at that whole, what else could we be doing?
0: Yeah, I think there's many in- interesting things. That we could be exploring uh, with technology and and for the life of me the government just doesn't appear uh, to be doing that and there's been a bit of a um, uh, a, a to-do in the media lately because we also have um, people you know like to camp in our provincial parks and we have a reservation uh, system that appears to be being taken advantage of by private operators in some cases who are actually um, selling campsites that British Columbians would like to have Access to to um, people from Europe or to vis- vis- visitors from Europe, and it, so it's just another reflection of of what happens when you turn your back on properly staffing and funding your park system. I think again we're one of the only jurisdictions in North America that BC Parks doesn't have a interpretive program, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just a it's a really. You said there's really not an interpreter program. Not run by BC Parks. You do have some private facility operators that run some um programs and, and and they're paid to you know sort of get into front country parks and 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 maybe you know rent people canoes and, and provide some services but when you're actually looking at services that are provided by the by, by bc parks we are down to bare bones we're down to just a Less than a skeleton uh, staff,
1: yeah, and, and that's that's shocking because BC Parks are an international draw, um, and they it's, absolutely it's clear are. that I mean, like I I literally walk down the street to my bank, and can have someone speak yeah. to me in five different languages,
0: yeah, and yeah. that's at
1: a local bank in a blue collar yeah. city in Ontario. So yeah. yeah, you know that that to me says something. Um,
0: yeah, now, no, we have something that's really the envy of not only North America, but indeed the world. And we have remarkable wilderness and wildlife. And and people, when they go into our provincial parks, whether it's a Kutzmattean grizzly bear sanctuary, where you can, if you're lucky enough to uh, get in there, that you can see grizzly bears in their natural habitat, that you can go into other parks and and maybe spot a a mountain caribou or another park, maybe even really be lucky and, and be able to see a spotted owl. But it is... It's sort of very, very much part of the brand of B.C., and it's also our park system is what makes B.C. a really remarkable place to live. And now what we need to do is we need to have the B.C. government to not just talk the talk, but actually walk the walk. And if they really care about our provincial park system, then they'll staff it properly. And again, not even, and again 50 um, full-time park rangers wouldn't even be staffing it pro- properly. That'd just be a tiny, tiny infinitesimally small step in the right direction. But that those are some of the things that they could do, you know, implement recommendations from their own expert panels and then, again, double the operational budget from $31 million to uh, $62 million for our, our park system. And that would sort of get us out of the weeds and at least moving uh, in the right direction. All
1: right. Now, what can people do? Because this is one of those situations where... I, like, I kind of I want to look at it from that big picture and say we need to make it an election issue and force it into campaign talks. But right now, people are going to be listening to this uh, all week and they're going to be asking the question, what can I do to make this better? Well,
0: well, I think you can do lots. We still live in a democracy. And we also know we're just about, what is it, 10 months away from a provincial uh, election in British Columbia. I believe it's May 9th, 2017. And so what I would really encourage people to do is to contact their local MLA and let them know that you want the, and it's just very simple, that you want the uh, operational budget doubled. You want to see as the first step the amount of full-time, and that's full-time year-round park rangers increase to uh, 50, and you also want to see them fully implement the recommendations from the Auditor General to protect the ecological integrity of our park system. And then, if people feel really like you know they have a lot of get-up and go, I'd also encourage people to write a short letter, like under 200 words is uh, typically a safe bet, to their local uh, newspaper, and and get the word out, and then, and and talk to their uh, friends and neighbors. And we have some really interesting information. Online at the Wilderness Committee, so it's wildernesscommittee.org, and uh, and when you look and get to the BC Parks section, you can find lots of information that will make you well versed in uh, uh, you know what BC Parks need, and we've you know we've created something very special in British Columbia over the last what is it, 105 years and now what we need to do we need you know parks belong to British Columbians they don't belong to the provincial government and now we need the provincial government to listen to us and do the right thing and start protecting um, our our parks and protected areas in the way uh, they deserve.
1: To get in touch with the Wilderness Committee or learn more about their great work visit wildernesscommittee.org. That's the show for this week folks. For the Fur Bears and the Fender Radio, this is Michael Howey reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.